Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, and today we are having a continuation of sorts of our topic yesterday, which was flipped learning. Well, that ended up being one of many topics. Uh, we, I spoke with Professor Sam Otten, another Michigander like myself, and we, we had actually a very, really, really enlightening conversation about flipped learning, about what it's like to be a mathematician. Why is math, you know, how is math different in, from when you're actually a professional mathematician versus when you're just solving algebraic problems, geometric problems, etc. We had talked about all sorts of really, really cool stuff. But it just got me so so interested in flipped learning in particular because it's something that I do plan to do next year. I'm actually building something right now. I'm building the videos this summer in August for the flipped learning portion. So I just had to do more research. I wanted to learn more. So I, I was actually reading yesterday uh, through some different education blogs and articles. And I found really two really cool articles in particular that I wanted to share and because I haven't enacted this yet per se, of course I've made video courses that have been used by people, but it's never been utilized precisely in a classroom setting, although I, I have really high hopes. I think it's going to be great. I want to learn more about, and I want to hear what people have done to to use it and use it effectively. So I'm going to be reading two articles. First one is just a short article that really details precisely what is flipped learning. And, and I think this will be good if you, have, if you didn't get a chance to listen to yesterday's episode. This will give you a nice overview of what, what exactly flipped learning is. And then we're going to read from a blog article somebody's personal experiences about flipped learning. This is going to be really cool. Okay, so let's start with what is flipped learning. This is found at flippedlearning.org. Okay, so here we go. While often defined simplistically as schoolwork at home and homework at school, Flipped learning is an approach that allows teachers to implement a methodology or various methodologies in the classrooms. To counter some of the misconceptions about this term, the governing board and key leaders of the Flipped Learning Network, FLN, all experienced flip educators, have composed a formal definition of flipped learning. Explicitly defining the term may dispel some of the myths repeatedly promulgated by teachers, the media, and researchers. These flipped learning leaders also distinguish between a flipped classroom and flipped learning. These terms are not interchangeable. Flipped, flipping a class can but does not necessarily lead to flipped learning. Many teachers may already flip their classes by having students read text outside of class, watch supplemental videos, or solve additional problems. But to engage in flipped learning, teachers must incorporate the following four pillars into their practice. Okay, so here we go. Pillar number one, flexible environment. Flipped learning allows for a variety of learning modes. Educators often physically rearrange their learning spaces to accommodate a lesson or unit to support either group work or independent study. 
They create flexible spaces in which students choose when and where they learn. Furthermore, educators who flip their classes are flexible in their expectations of student timelines for learning and in their assessments of student learning. All right, learning culture. In the traditional teacher-centered model, the teacher is the primary source of information. By contrast, flipped learning model deliberately shifts instruction to a learner-centered approach, where in-class time is dedicated to exploring topics in greater depth and creating rich learning opportunities. As a result, students are actively involved in knowledge construction as they participate in and evaluate their learning in a matter in a manner that is personally meaningful. This is the piece that I think is really cool. I I'm excited to to use this. I, I mean, I've learned things in this way before. I had teachers that maybe we didn't have videos when I was growing up per se, but certainly we would be jumping into material for the first time on our own and then really fleshing it out in class. And I mean, there's pros and cons to it, but but I think this is a cool idea now with while using videos. I mean, it's very similar to a lecture. For example, if we look at the way that Barbary was taught for bar exam preparation, it's essentially a flipped learning model. We, everything is on pre-recorded lectures. They're not lectures that you sit there and actually can interact with. They, you, you go to a room, but they just play the video. And then they'll have assistants coming around and helping with certain things. And then you have the, then the rest of your time, you're, you, and it, we, we kind of made our own flipped learning environment. It's like then we'd all sit together and study and read and practice and rehearse on our own. But that's kind of how it worked. And I, I think it's an effective model in particular when you have videos at your disposal. Okay, intentional content. Flipped learning educators continually think about how they can use flip, the flipped learning model to help students develop conceptual understanding as well as procedural fluency. They determine what they need to teach and what material students should explore on their own. Educators use intentional content to maximize classroom time in order to adopt methods of student-centered active learning strategies depending on grade level and subject matter. Okay, and finally, professional educator. The role of a professional educator is even more important and often more demanding in a flipped classroom than in a traditional one. During class time, they continually observe their students, providing them with feedback relevant in the moment and assessing their work. Professional educators are reflective in their practice, connect with each other to improve their instruction accept constructive criticism, and tolerate controlled chaos in their classrooms. While professional educators take on less visibly prominent roles in, flipped, in a flipped classroom, they remain the essential ingredient that enables flipped learning to occur. Okay, so this is really cool. I mean, at the end of the day, what is this saying? If we're, we're talking about the professional educator, they're reflective. They're basically open to feedback, continually, constantly shifting, modifying as need be. Uh, I think that's a good sign of not even a teacher of any professional or any person in general, even in social settings. As long as you m remain dynamic, then you're still open to growth and development. And certainly that is a good thing. Okay, so super cool. I mean, I, I have such high hopes for, for using this myself. I'm really excited about it. I just feel like it's such a perfect way to to really maximize time because what's happening now we have... We have people that are able to learn at their own pace at home. And then since it's going to be collaborative and people are going to be working together, you can really see and identify as a when somebody's just listening to a lecture, 
Yeah, you can check their homework and see where the gaps are, but during class, it's harder to assess. Whereas here, now, it's going to be full assessment. You can walk around from student to student and really see what's going on. I know that when we have the days where kids are working on Alex or working through problems and you sort of walk from student to student, man, you can just see right there. How is this student handling the material? How is that student handling the material? Maybe this student can move up a little bit. Maybe this one needs another explanation on what's going on. And it's it's super, super uh, effective in that way when it's very individualized. Nobody gets left behind. Okay, now that was fun. Now we are going to jump to this second really cool article from a blog. And it's called 100 Videos and Counting. Lessons from a Flipped Classroom by Joe Hirsch. Here we go. 17 months ago, I made my first flipped learning video. And then, unexpectedly, it happened. I crossed the century mark. That is to say, I made my 100th video. What have I learned along the road between 1 and 100? Okay, here we go. 1. It's not about the video. I've said this before, but I can't repeat it enough. Teachers who embrace flipped learning need to think like architects, not video producers. It's tempting to become enamored by content creation. After all, you want the lesson to hold visual appeal. But it's a mistake to become overly invested in your video's wow factor at the expense of instructional integrity. The critical component of flipped learning occurs in the classroom itself, how teachers pivot from the video's baseline content to deeper, more expansive targets and make room for students to investigate, evaluate, and apply new knowledge in creative ways. And then there's the issue of coverage. Looking back, my first attempts at video creation misfired. Lessons stretched up to 10 minutes. My visuals either overcrowded the content or stood sheepishly beside it. Over time, I honed my message, my delivery, and my coverage areas. Most of my next-generation videos run between two and five minutes, the digital sweet spot. Ironically, the more I focused on learning outcomes, the better my videos became. By the way, this, this length of two to five minutes, this is also what Udemy, the online learning platform that I use, this is exactly what they recommend. This is usually my target. I know that in my most recent video course for the IC, I do have certain lectures that are like I have one on percentages and fractions at 16 minutes. And I don't it's not that, that I wanted that. It just ended up being that much content that needed to be covered in one section. I could have broken it up, but keeping with the format of the course, I left that one to be a little bit longer. But typically that's what you want. That's what they have found through they have so much data on the subject because they have tens of thousands of instructors and courses and videos and millions of students, they know what what is effective. Okay, number two, don't forget the data. In the early days, I released video content to students through my YouTube channel and trusted that they would watch assigned lessons in time for class. Talk about a shot in the dark. The number of YouTube views couldn't tell me whether one of my students actually tuned in, and it certainly didn't reveal what students actually learned. So about three weeks into my flipped learning foray, I turned to Educanon, an award-winning hosting and delivery platform that helped me unlock a treasure trove of data. Using its intuitive interface, I began to embed quiz questions within the lessons that helped me track students' progress. The data trail gave me insight into student learning and oversight of the learning process, how to structure a child's learning plan based on his or her responses to questions during the video. 
I'm going to do the same thing next year with Udemy because Udemy has all that stuff. I already use it. I'm super familiar with it. It's an amazing interface. You can embed quizzes. I can see exactly who is watched and at what percentage. I mean, it's so easy. So I'm actually so glad he said this because I've thought about this, but I'm like, I'm not, I'll put it on my YouTube channel too, but really the goal is to have it on Udemy so I can, I can monitor all this stuff. Okay. Number three, flip outside the box. Flipped learning is a powerful, oh, one other thing I want to mention about Udemy too, just like on YouTube, you can actually enter comments, but on each particular lecture, so, you, so kids can actually throw questions up and I can read them that morning and then be like, oh, here's all the questions. Like it's so perfect. Or they can message me privately. You notice that we have, sometimes there's, people are nervous to answer, ask questions. It's not just kids, anybody. You're like, oh, I don't want somebody to think that I don't get this. So I'm just not going to ask. I'm going to pretend like I understand it. I've seen this in law school too. People are afraid of being judged. So why not you, if now this creates the possibility that people can email me questions and just be like, hey, can you cover this in class? And they don't have to ask it in front of everybody. And that's fine. That makes them feel comfortable. Or they can rewatch the lecture until they get it. I mean, there's so many possibilities that I see. Okay. Three, flip outside the box. Flipped learning is a powerful tool for classroom learning, but why stop there? The possibilities can be endless. This year, I flipped back to school night by releasing a video preview of classroom procedures to parents several days before we met. The flip format allowed parents to chew over the information and generate questions and concerns ahead of time. When they arrived, I created a parking lot for them to leave individual questions for follow-up post-it notes on a whiteboard, which preempted that doomsday scenario where one domineering parent hijacks the entire evening with a personal rant. By clearing technical details off the deck, we spent more time engaged in nobler discussions about educational philosophy, social-emotional learning, and long-term goals. There are lots of other ways for teachers and administrators to flip outside the box. So you can do it in faculty meetings, parent-teacher conferences. That'd actually be really cool. It's a cool idea. And informational sessions. Okay. Number four, plan backward and give notice. No matter how amazing we think our lessons might be, they will never complete with after school basketball practice, piano lessons, tennis clinic, or the host of other extracurriculars that students enjoy. I learned early on to give significant lead time for students to watch lessons, releasing new content about three to four days prior to the to the in-class application. This forced me to plan backwards from a target date and stick to a fairly regimented creation schedule. That made for lots of long nights, but ultimately had me ultimately held me accountable to a delivery system that honored the busy lives of kids outside of school. I also made sure to keep parents in the loop about upcoming new content and due dates through Remind, a communication service that alerts parents to classroom classroom currents. Students can't be expected to apply knowledge that they never learned, fair enough. And finally, good teaching is still number one. Now more than ever, it's clear to me that good technology will never replace good teaching. In fact, a professional, te- professional teaching is one of the pillars of flipped learning, a testament to the role that teachers play in helping students define, discern, and discuss new technology as it flows across the information highway. In two years of flipped, flipping my classroom, I've become more tuned to the habits and hallmarks of effective instruction. That's not to say that educators need to embrace flipped learning as pedagogical pedagogical salvation, pedagogical salvation, but that the process 
of planning for and executing a flipped learning experience requires vast amounts of rigor, foresight, deep instructional knowledge, creativity, and risk-taking. For teachers, flipped learning is exhilarating and exasperating all at once, not because it replaces the act of teaching, but because it releases its most essential parts. All right. Very cool. I'm hoping that if you if you're a parent out there, maybe if you're a teacher, maybe you'll try this now. Maybe you'll you'll or you'll think about exploring it. I, I, I mean, I can't speak from personal experience. I haven't done it yet. But again, I've heard great things. I have very high hopes. And hopefully I'll be able to report something back in a couple months about how awesome it is. I'm sure it's going to be great. If you're a parent, hopefully this gives you some insight into what flipped learning is all about. And maybe it something to mention to your school or maybe your te- maybe your kids teachers are already using it so yeah check it out uh if you want to check out the articles that i just read i'm going to put them in the show notes you can check out the show notes at www.scalarlearning.com also if you have any questions you can email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com would love to hear from you Make sure to tune in tomorrow because I'm doing something very cool today. I'm actually, I signed up and will be taking the middle level IC myself, just like I took the SAT back in May. So I'm actually pretty excited. That's going to be in a few hours. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Tomorrow's episode will be all about my experience taking the test, what I learned, what what advice I'm going to offer to to parents, uh, taking it at a Prometric Center. And hopefully we'll, uh, yeah, and then I'll, and I'll reveal the score as well on YouTube. So you guys can check that out. That'll be, that'll be fun. We'll go, I'll go through the, the entire score report and all that good stuff. And we can see what insights that will provide. Check it out. Tune in tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Skinner, learning, give me that skinner.